Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Uh, good to see you today. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor, and we are in a series called Fearless, and it's based on the phrase we find 365 times in the Bible, uh, do not be afraid, and all that surrounds that. We've looked at so many uh, aspects of that, uh, whether it's leaning in to really our next right step or fearless obedience. And I want to do that today, but in a way that's even much more specific, uh, not just in what we do for God, but in how we connect with Him. Uh, I know this week has been a, a crazy week, uh, spring breaks, a lot of kids uh, on spring break. I went to a, a meeting in Indianapolis. I flew in on Thursday and out on a, a Friday. Uh, you can tell it was not a vacation because it was Indianapolis. And as I was there, uh, I came back and I didn't realize, uh, this was a week ago, I didn't realize that all the spring breaks had started. Uh, there was literally five times the number of people at SeaTac there normally is on a, on a Friday night. Uh, now, I had had this flight. I was really tired, wanted to see uh, my wife and uh, hang out with her a little bit. And so, uh, when the plane landed, uh, I was just ready to get off the plane. So, finally, when I could get off the plane, uh, I got off the plane and I saw the sea of people and I was just, uh, you know, weaving between each one. I, I, I got to tell you, I did a pretty good job at this. And uh, I, I made it through this huge crowd of people, was excited, got to the curb, and right at that moment I remembered I left my backpack on the airplane. Yeah, not a really good day, let me tell you. Uh, and so I had my computer and everything in it, and I'm like, okay, what do you do? I realized I had already been through security, and so I go to the Alaska counter, and I, and I say, what, what happened? And they said, well, you just need to get back in the line. I said, well, I'm TSA pre. Can I do that? They said, no, you're going to have to go in the regular line now. Uh, and don't worry, the, the lady said, it'll only take 10 minutes. That was the first lie I heard that day. So, so I'm in, in line. If, you, if you've been to SeaTac, you know that sometimes they'll use some of the lanes with the ropes. Uh, well, this time, they used every single lane. There was another one with probably 60, 70 or more people on the outside where there wasn't even ropes. It went around the escalator, the line, and another 100, 150 people more on the other side. And so, I'm thinking the plane is going to take off. I, I get in, in, in line. I got to tell you, this is not the point I'm feeling most spiritual and close to Jesus. Uh, so, I, I'm there. And of course, right at that moment, uh, a family, one of the nicest families at church comes up and says, hey, Pastor Ben, how are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't believe in purgatory, but I think this is what it would be like. Uh, so, uh, and, and then they say, hey, what are you doing in line to get on an airplane and you don't have any luggage? 
I said, well, I'm just losing my mind is what I'm doing. And so uh, uh, I'm in line for 10, 15 minutes. I realize that I'm not even around the escalator and through the other line to get where the line actually begins yet. And so I go back to the Alaska counter and I resort to something that I'm, I'm a little bit ashamed of, but I started begging. And uh, I said, hey, you know, I'm not going to make it in time. And the lady uh, said, well, no, sir, it'll really be okay. And, and I'm like, no, I really need some special help here. And then finally the supervisor comes over, I think, because he saw me crying. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, and he said, how about this? How about we just walk you through the premium lane? And I'm saying, yeah, let's do that. Uh, and he did, was able to get my backpack, uh, and it turned out okay. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about what we're talking about today, and that's prayer. Uh, we sometimes, I think, uh, approach prayer that God is sort of there, He'll help us. He's not that willing to help us, and He's semi-engaged with our lives. Now, I understand how we can feel that way. That's certainly not what the Scripture teaches and certainly not the experience that God has for you when it comes to prayer. Prayer is conversation with God. Prayer is developing a relationship with God. Prayer is engaging God with the most significant issues of our life. Now, as I say that, I, I know uh, if you're uh, maybe raised in a church, I didn't, I, I didn't grow up as a religious person or in church at all, but it, there's really a couple of viewpoints that are very popular, but I would say don't square with reality and certainly not what the Scripture teaches. There are many books that are out today and say, if you pray this way, God will work. You just got to pray at the right time with the right words and the right, and if you do it perfectly, God is going to do what you want Him to do. That is not faith. That is magic. That is not, it's, it's really, uh, because it really goes back to paganism where you're trying to manipulate the, the hapless deity. Now, I understand why we want that because we want to be in control. Uh, uh, I like to be in control too. It's just not how it works. And then there's the other, uh, the other side of the coin, and this is really after I became a Christ follower, what I was taught, that God is just going to do what He's going to do. Prayer is important, mind you, but it really is not going to affect anything because God is sovereign, which I believe, and God has His plans, which I also believe. But we just pray because we're supposed to. God's not going to, it's not going to affect what God does. And then, you know what messed with my idea of prayer? I actually started reading the Bible. Yeah, and, and, and the Bible, I realized, certainly doesn't say that when we control God, and it definitely doesn't say that other one either. There are times, and several times in the Bible, where it says God relented and He, he changed His mind because people prayed. And so, it even gets more confusing at this point because we're faced with the reality when, when we pray. And I'm talking right now about when we ask God for things. Prayer is so much more than that. That, that we engage with God, 
yet God is still sovereign. Because the answer to prayer, sometimes God will say, yes, hey, I'm going to answer your prayer. And we see that miracle. We see God work. Sometimes God will say no. Do you know that God is okay saying no to you? Yeah, He is. And we, don't, we, don't, we may not even know the answer. And sometimes it's just a not right now. So I say that as a, a preface of sorts to say as we have this understanding that's biblical, I still want for you and for me, and I would believe the Scripture teaches, that we would, as it says in Hebrews 4.16, it's not in the outline, but it is in the Bible, and that we would approach the throne of grace with confidence, that we would be confident and bold and fearless in prayer. Well, okay, that's, that's what I intellectually believe, but what about my personal life? How, how is that? I was talking with uh, a growth group I, I lead of uh, guys on Friday, some business guys, and, and they're my guinea pigs for, for sermons. And so I asked them this question as well, what's your prayer life like? Is it A, never or close to it? I don't pray. Now, if that's you, uh, that's okay. That's actually quite rare. Uh, that uh, about nine, 85 to 90-some percent of people pray. About, so only about one out of ten uh, people uh, don't pray. They may not pray to uh, Jesus. They may not pray to God as He's represented in the Bible, uh, but people pray. In fact, studies have said, I don't know what the current one is, that 13 to 17 or 19 percent of atheists pray, which is sort of interesting, isn't it? Uh, and then uh, maybe it's perfunctory or in a crisis. Uh, if you grew up in a religious environment, uh, you know that is when, like, we pray before meals. I do it with my kids and say uh, when they were little, will you pray? And they're like, yes, thank you, God, for this food, amen. I'm like, can we say a couple more words, you know? Uh, or, or maybe it's uh, thank you, gift, uh, God, for these gifts from your bounty you learned as a, as a Catholic or rub-a-dub-dub, thank God for the grub, whatever your spiritual environment was. And it was more something you did, it wasn't heartfelt. And I've mentioned this before because I always think it's sort of odd. Uh, it's a prayer uh, that many of, maybe, maybe many of us were taught as a kid or you prayed with you, uh, your, your children. You know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And we say that, but we never think about it because that's a creepy prayer. What you're basically saying is, good night, Johnny, see you in the morning. But then again, maybe not. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so and, and we, we have these kind of prayer, or in a crisis. Uh, I'll get this, uh, uh, you know, people talk about prayer in schools, and, and I have my own uh, opinion on that. Uh, on that. Uh, I actually uh, believe there will always be prayer in schools as long as they give tests. And, uh, uh, but honestly, I wouldn't want, so, I, I don't want someone else who doesn't share my faith leading my kids in prayer, so I, I'm not exactly for, for that. We all pray in a crisis. And then there's inconsistent. You know, I, I know that prayer is important. I understand. I may be intellectually assent to the value in what it means in my life, but I'm inconsistent. And then there's D, integral to my life. Now, I would guess that many of us, maybe most of us, find ourselves in one of these first three categories. And can I tell you that for most of my life, 
most of my ministry as a pastor, now some of you aren't going to want to go here after this, uh, I was in one of these first three categories. This has been a development really in the last, oh, I would say uh, 10 years of my life where prayer has become more integral. And you know what that is? It's because I, I actually know where I need God now. And I understand that, that it is important, and I want to develop that relationship uh, with God. It's okay if you're there. I'm just saying, let's, let's move to the next level uh, in our faith. Well, it, we're told again and again to pray in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, rejoice always, pray continuously. The idea is that we're always supposed to be praying. The Apostle Paul said this, do not be anxious about anything, but what? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Now, now we, we could do a whole sermon on this. In fact, I did a number of years ago. Uh, present your requests to God. And then Jesus, He actually instructs uh, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. See, prayer is a big deal. We find it, uh, it, the examples all over the Scripture and uh, some verses like we read and many, many others that say it's an important part of our spiritual life. Well, if it's so important, how come we can be inconsistent? How come maybe it's a never? How come uh, it can be hard for us? I was thinking uh, of some reasons as I was uh, praying and preparing for this message. Is one, we're not sure about God. You might be here and you say, you know, I'm not too sure about God. Now, you might even be a believer, but you're not sure if God really wants to work in your life. Or you could be like me. I prayed before I became a Christian. And my prayer was, uh, I've shared this before, I, I had a, a great career. I was uh, working on South Tacoma Way washing mobile homes. Isn't that a great career? And, uh, and, I, and I said, Lord, get me out of here. No, that wasn't it. Uh, but I, was, uh, I said, God, if you're real, will you show yourself to me? Uh, that's the most dangerous prayer you can… If, if you're an atheist or agnostic and want to stay that way, don't ever pray that. Because if you pray it and mean it, God is going to show up in your life. I can assure you that's going to happen if you're willing to see Him. And, and then, uh, we're, it seems weird. Uh, it can seem weird that uh, we would pray to this, this all-knowing, all-powerful entity if we view God as other and distant instead of viewing Him as a father who loves us. And three, we, we just don't know how. We're not sure about how do I really pray uh, beyond just gimme, gimme, gimme. How do I pray when uh, my career is not going the way I want it to go? How do, I, how do I pray when my faith seems stale? How do I pray when it doesn't seem like my marriage is going to make it? How do, how do I engage with God in those times. Well, I, I've, I've shared with, and I just want to do this briefly, especially if you're maybe newer to faith or you've gotten off track in prayer. Uh, this is not in your outline. Just an acrostic. I use the word pray. And this is a way that if you're not used to praying, uh, I do this so uh, it disciplines my prayer. Uh, so, the first word in pray, uh, I start out with praise. I thank God for what He's done. 
And I say, hey, God, I recognize what you've done in my life. Because why would God do anything else if I don't recognize what he's already done? And I could be so foolish or so selfish that I would think God's not working in the, in, unless I remind myself where God has worked. And then R is for repent. That's a word we don't like very much, do we? It means we were going the wrong direction. We were wrong. It's hard to admit you're wrong. Maybe we have sinned. Say, God, God I, I was going this way, and I know it wasn't helpful for me or for anyone else, or maybe it was against what you said for me, and I'm going to turn around and go the other way. That's what repent means, to turn around. And the A is for ask. This is what we normally think of. Uh, there was a movement about a decade ago that said, if you're really spiritual, when you pray, you won't ask God for much. You know what? That's not biblical. Do you know that most of the prayers in the Bible are people asking God for something? Now, that shouldn't be the only part of our prayer, but it is definitely what we find in Scripture. And the why is yield. Because sometimes God is going to say no or wait, and we don't understand why God doesn't answer a good prayer. And we say, God, I, I believe that you're up to something good, even when I can't see it, even when things don't go my way. You know, and uh, what I would say, too, is as well, just, just sort of an aside, is find a great time to pray. A lot of people I talk to uh, in this, when you pray, well, I pray right before I go to bed. Well, I used to do that too. And you know what my prayers were like? Dear Lord, that's what was my prayer. That was it, you know? And I would start sleeping uh, and, or snoring. Sorry to snort in the microphone. But, uh, uh, and and I, find a, I find a time and a place because otherwise, I, I, otherwise it's like I'm, you know, I'm praying, oh God, and hey, there's a bird. You know, I get distracted real easily. So I pray early in the morning, uh, and for me, after I have a cup of coffee, because otherwise I'm not pleasant to be around, and so uh, I, I have that time and that pattern of prayer. But even if we get there, sometimes our objection is this, we're not sure if it works, because sometimes we pray and we still feel a little bit empty. We're still not changing. We're still stuck in this pattern of addiction or, or our health is not improving or the marriage doesn't get better. See, if, if God is just about uh, keeping us happy, God is not doing a very good job sometimes. But maybe God is up to something much more. Maybe He's transforming us from the inside out. Now, as I say that, I also want to say this, is if you're praying about something, don't stop until God tells you to stop. Oftentimes, what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll be praying and we get distracted along the way, or life happens and God, we don't feel like God is answering the prayer, and, and, and don't stop until He's told, told you to stop. Just keep on. And God is okay. He can handle it. What does fearless or bold prayer look like? I want to look at two examples we find in the Scripture. Uh, one, uh, Jabez, many of you remember the book, uh, if you've been around a while, about 15 years ago by Bruce Wilkerson, The Prayer of Jabez. Very odd prayer we find in the Old Testament. Uh, and it's about this guy who prayed boldly. 
It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. The name Jabez actually means literally, he is a pain. Uh, Don't change your kids' names to that. Uh, Jabez cried out uh, to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Doesn't that sound sort of selfish? It really does. Now, now I did a whole series once on this. It was four weeks long, so I can't get that in the next 30 seconds. But there's so much more going on there. Because Jabez was about doing God's will, God's way. But along the way, he said, hey, God, would you be working in my life too? And that's okay to pray. There are so many examples. Uh, One of the most famous is uh, the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to look at it from the New International Version in the Gospel of Luke. We read, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, by the way, that's sort of weird. Do you know why? They knew how to pray already. They, they were uh, good, young Jewish men, and they'd been taught prayers. But the prayers they were taught were sort of the rub-a-dub-dub, thank God for the grub kind. They were, they were rope prayers. They didn't mean anything. But they saw that Jesus prayed with a sense of purpose and power that they had not experienced. And so it's in that context uh, we read, uh, Teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, or holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. If you think about that prayer, that's a pretty bold prayer. Jesus is saying, just go to God. Say, hey, God, will you provide? God, will you forgive? God, will you help me to forgive? God, will you help me to avoid the temptations that tend to ruin my life? God, will you help me to, to, to live spiritually aligned with you to recognize that you're holy? And we see these examples of fearless prayer. My hope is for you and for me and for us together is that we would pray in such a way not to impress anyone else or to do any religious ritual. That, that wouldn't be worthwhile. But to connect with God, His will for our lives, His power in our lives. And we would say, you know, one of the most important things I can do is to lean in in this way. A couple weeks ago, I talked about would you lean into God in this season? If you will lean into God and not hold back and not equivocate, not do it sort of 80% of the way, but 100% of the way, a year from now, your life will be changed spiritually in in a powerful way. If you simple, one of the things I used to say, I haven't said it for a n- number of years, is that, you know what true faith is? True faith is where you say yes to God before you even know what He's asking you to do. Because otherwise, you're going to evaluate it and decide whether or not you want to obey Him. Pastor Carlos talked about that last week. But true faith is saying, hey, God, if it's from you, I don't even know what it is. I am going to follow you. And that's frightening. But, it, but your life will never be the same. Your faith will never be the same. Your family will never be the same. And I know that's what I want for me as well. So, what, what does that look like? How do we take our next right step, as we call it, in prayer? 
Number one, start with honesty and authenticity. Now, as you have a pattern of prayer, be honest. I, this is sort of crazy. I know a lot of us are, we're afraid to be honest with God. Do you know what? He knows what you did already. He knows what you did last summer. He knows what you did in Vegas. Repent. He knows what your life is about. And so, uh, why not be honest? Can you, you know why? Because sometimes we're afraid of what He might ask us to do, or we're afraid of what we have done. God can handle it. Would you be honest with Him, even your struggles and your doubts? There's an example of the Bible, someone who, who comes to Jesus, and he says, I believe, but will you help my unbelief? God can handle that. Will you be honest with God? If you've ever uh, been through maybe the 12 steps, you know through recovery, number one step, you're not going to get to any of the others unless you say, hey, I admit I have a problem. I admit I need God. And you might want to skip that step, but they're fa it's foundational. Where would you be honest with God? And, and be authentic with Him as well, that you would come to Him as, as a father who, who loves you. My uh, kids, when they were uh, little especially, you know, when they wanted something, they wouldn't uh, come to me and say, Pastor Reverend Dr. Benjamin Sigmund, will you please, from the bounty of your checking account, bestow on me some financial resources that would be a blessing to me so I can buy some candy or whatever they wanted? What'd they say? Dad, would you give me some money? And uh, we hurry up. <laughs> yeah, that's what they would say. Why? Because they, they realize that I'm not a stranger. That, of course, if it's good for them, if it makes sense, why wouldn't I do that? Uh, Jesus really confronts this, uh, this type of rambling, inauthentic prayer. He says, uh, when you pray, don't babble on and on like the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. God is moved by your sincerity, not by some formula. Also, number two, seek guidance before any important decision. Now, this is where prayer gets real. Uh, maybe you're looking at a career change. How about praying about it? Maybe about a financial decision. How about praying about it? The only time you shouldn't pray about something is if God told you to do it in the Scripture and you're using prayer as really a cover for not doing it. You know, you're saying, well, okay, uh, I'll pray about if I should forgive that person. You don't need to pray about that. God told you to do it. Then there's examples uh, like that. But we want to include God in our most important decisions. I, I remember uh, when I first started here uh, a little over 10 years ago, uh, well, backstory on that. I'm the first one in my family to go to college, and then I went to, you know, uh, uh, pastor school to get a master's degree, and uh, it went in that program. And then after that, continued in school and uh, into a doctoral program, and I crammed a five-year doctoral program into nine years. And uh, so, yeah, and, and in fact, uh, nine and a half years to be exact. 
they had given me an extension for a year and a semester, and finally to the point where they said, if you don't turn it in on this day, you've timed out of the program, you are done. Uh, in fact, Dave Nelson, who speaks there, I've told this story before, uh, he, I was in San Diego, he was working with me uh, then, the school was in Pasadena. He actually rode with me so I could use the HOV lanes, and I finished my final project, turned it in 42 minutes before I failed out of the program. Uh, now, I know some of you are impressed that I even graduated high school. You didn't think that happened. So the, uh, but I did, and so because of that, some opportunities opened up, taught, all that kind of thing. was on the uh, leadership team of a cutting edge of a uh, seminary with online education when that was uh, really becoming big to train pastors. And I was doing that and getting stressed out, really stressed out. At the same time I was leading here, we had just gone to two services. We knew we were rocking the world then, and uh, so, but it was a big deal back then. Uh, and my wife, she said something, uh, my, that honesty and authenticity, I never have to worry about that with my wife. Because uh, she, she said, well, I was whining to her, and she said, well, Ben, did you pray about it before you did it? And I'm like, I'm a man of God. I don't, you know, I, I didn't. And she called it out. I didn't pray about it. Was it a good thing? Absolutely. Was it the right thing for me then? No. And so she helped me to say, hey, God, what is my calling for this season? Do you know that your calling in the last season is probably not your calling in this season of your life? And, and, and we want a formula of faith where God is going to always do this thing in this way. But if you have young kids at home, you know what? This season is leaning into your kids. If you're, you know, maybe starting out in your career, it's, it, you know, you got to lean in really heavy in that. You're moving along in your career, but you have kids at home and there's conflict. You might need to pull back a little bit. Are you including God in those decisions? And this is where it gets really messy, but really significant, because I'm great about including God after the fact. After I mess up, after I say something stupid, after I make a mistake, and God, would you pray first? Our Saturday night service, uh, we actually have a lot of young adults who come to it, and so I talked to, to, on Saturday night, the same message, and I said, before you date someone, you might want to pray before you enter that relationship. And I got this look like, are you crazy? She, she is hot. She is a gift from Jesus, you know. And uh, they, they, they can be hot and not a gift from God for you. Would you pray about it? Would you include God? See, and sometimes God is going to say no, and you know what? That can be a good thing. Because just think, I, I know some of you ladies in junior high, you prayed that some boy would like you, and you were already trying to write his last name with yours. And you're like, oh, God didn't answer my prayer. And now here it is 30 years later, you're looking at Facebook, and you say, thank you, Jesus, you know? <laughs> And because we, we, we can't see like God sees. We don't have the perspective, but we can have trust.
You see, Jesus, uh, he, he rolled this way. Uh, it says, one of uh, those days, Jesus went on a mountainside to what? To pray and spent time and spent the night praying to God. So, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he designated apostles. He said, you know, these are the people I'm going to do ministry with that I'm going to do life with. And so God the Son spoke to God the Father and said, will you give me guidance? Will you show me the way? Number three, reconcile with others before praying. Now, as I, I, I prepare my messages a bit in advance, and as I ha or at least my outlines, and so as I was preparing for this, I realized I probably shouldn't have included this point because this should be a whole message. What I'm not saying is that your life has to be perfect before you can pray. But what I am saying is, have you followed the last instructions God gave you before you ask Him for new instructions? See, oftentimes we want to move uh, past that. We were saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do now? And God said, hey, would you serve me? Would you take some of your time? Because some of us are good with our financial resources. We put God first in that. That's a good thing. But will you, will you take your time? Will you serve me? And you heard that from God, and, and you just said, ah, not right now, God. And you're saying, God, what do you have for me next? And God says, why don't you go back to that thing I called you to do? And that's what uh, really, in essence, the larger point is that uh, Jesus is making. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Am I willing to forgive those who hurt me? Am I willing to be reconciled with those who have something against me? And I'm not even sure how legitimate it is. When we do that, we have this heart before God in prayer that is open. And we open the door for God to work in our lives. Uh, I will, uh, every once in a while, not often, but I, uh, as often these days, but I'll meet with couples. Uh, and as I said, no couple ever comes to me and say, says, hey, Ben, we want to meet with you because our marriage is going great. It's usually because it's not going great. And, I, and by the way, if you ever do that, I want to tell you in advance that I, I'm going to trick you. So here's how I trick you, is I will have uh, couples before, when we talk about the situation, I'll say, hey, before we get started, will you pray to God and pray for each other? And all, invariably, they haven't prayed, done that maybe ever or for a long time. And the prayer will be tender and walls tend to break down. I've literally had couples where they're praying for each other. At the end of the prayer, they're like crying and snotting it up all over the place. And they're like, oh, I shouldn't have shown up that way. Oh, yeah, I really do want to work it out. And then they look at me and they say, you're such a good counselor. <laughs> and, and what can I say? The truth is I didn't say anything. I led them to to say, God, what would you say in my life in this moment right now? And maybe as we talk about marriage or, or maybe you're engaged or dating, maybe that's the area where, where you need to come to God. Number four, be persistent. Uh, again, 
we don't stop until God tells us to stop in prayer. We, we see this as a theme throughout the Scripture. Mark eleven twenty four. it says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it. And, and God is fine being sovereign and you being persistent. Can I ask you maybe, who, you, who have you stopped praying for? Who have you, what situation where you say, okay, I guess God's not going to work. If God's told you to stop, that's fine. But keep on praying. God will let you know. And God will, sometimes as a sign of His grace, He will work miraculously. And sometimes as a sign of His grace, He will walk you through it. Uh, I had a friend, I, I mentioned him before. I don't think I mentioned this situation. His name was John. Uh, he was in the church I pastored in San Diego before I came here. Uh, John was like a huge guy, like six, seven, three hundred pounds. Uh, uh, loved Jesus, but he didn't tell his face. He didn't ever smile much, and he had sort of one of those loud, angry voices. So every time he came up to me after service, I was frightened to death usually. Uh, and he 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 said his sister, his sister who was. Uh, you know, alcoholic, many things in her lifestyle. I mean, she was just, not only didn't believe in God, nothing in her life would be uh, aligned with someone who would, who would want to, to follow God. And uh, he called me up once, and I made the mistake of giving him my number, and uh, he said, hey, my sister's coming to church. She's an atheist. She hates God. Do a good job this weekend. <laughs> I'm like, okay, no pressure. So I preached my heart out, and, I, I, and you know what? I thought it was a great message. She didn't change. You know, she laughed at a couple jokes. That was it. She, she went home, and uh, her pipes broke. Uh, she actually, uh, funny thing is I was down in San Diego. She lives in Gig Harbor, and the pipes broke on her house, and so she called the plumber. And the plumber started talking to her and said, hey, you look like your life is a mess. And because uh, she had alcohol all over her. And he said, you know what, I'm an alcoholic too. And he, and he described how he, he went through a recovery program. But he said, you know, that helped. But the whole higher power thing, he goes, man, for me, that's Jesus Christ. And he started talking to her about her faith. And, and that led through a, a scenario where she ended up uh, really turning her life over to Jesus Christ. And sometimes we think, okay, the pastor needs to do it, and God's saying, nope, the plumber needs to do it. And that leads to number five, be open to the outcome. And, and this is a hard part where we live in the reality of the mystery of God. See, sometimes if we were honest, we would say we want the answer to prayer more than we want God Himself. And God says, I'm, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to be for you, but will you walk with me in those moments where you've been persistent and now's not the time, or we're, for some reason not this side of heaven? The Apostle Paul, who uh, was faithful to God, God used him to write about two-thirds of the New Testament, he had what was called this thorn in his flesh. And we don't know whether it was uh, an addiction issue, a sin issue, a physical issue. We're not sure. We have some guesses. 
And he says this, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. He's saying, God, I don't know why, but I know I trust you. Jesus, before he, he rose again from the dead, before he went to the cross, him being fully human and fully God, he knew what was going to happen. And you know what he did is he prayed. And he prayed this prayer, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was saying, uh, if there's another way this can happen, let it happen. But in the end, God, I want your will to be done through me. We see that as Jesus went to the cross. Some people will say, well, they took his life from him. And the Scripture makes it quite clear. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. And why did he do that? So we could be forgiven, so that we could be freed, so that we could have hope. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.